in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hello, Bunk Funkers. I hope you're hungry for the whole enchilada. Whole enchilada. <laughs> that was, of course, the famous classic Hollywood song, ba da ba ba ba, the whole enchilada. Uh, Where's the enchilada? <laughs> Boy, this has been a real fun look back down memory lane, Mr. Bunker's marketing history. Yeah, okay. So two competing uh two competing ideologies yep. here, Andy, with two competing yep. bits. You know I'm trying to steer the steer the episode towards the uh topic at hand, but you're yep. you're really hammering home fast food commercial taglines from the eighties, nineties, and two thousands. You know, if there's one thing Art and I have learned from years <laughs> of overpriced comedy school, it's that once you start a bit, don't stop for any reason, no matter what your partner does. <laughs> Well, Andy, you know what? I mean, today's the subject of today's topics. Some might say that she got started and never stopped until the time that she, until she, she died. died. Yeah, the death. yeah, which the finality you know, stopped her. Yeah, it stopped her physically, but it did not stop her legacy. Andy, wouldn't you say? Would oh, you say I that's would true? say. Um, you know, I guess, I guess, really, uh, you could say, Art, that um, you know this the the subject of today's episode, uh, her candle so to speak, burned out long before uh, her legend ever will. <laughs> um, that's so very true, Andy. That's so very true. We all, as we all know about human physiology, we all are born with candles inside of our tummies. When the candle goes out, you die. That's why it's a bad idea to let somebody breathe into your tummy. Yeah, don't ever have someone blow a raspberry on your tummy. <laughs> or if your tummy is open for some reason and exposed to the air, don't let people breathe into it. <laughs> well, you know what, Andy? I think uh, we got to let the clue the bunk funkers in today that, uh, well, first of all, today's episode was suggested to us by a very loyal bunk funker who mm-hmm. has suggested um, episodes uh, prior to this, but this comes to us from Megan Peace Hand Symbol Emoji. Yes, Megan Peace Hand Sign Emoji. Or symbol. Uh, thank <laughs> them symbol sign whatever. Whatever. Uh thank you Megan for sending in this topic. This is the this is the death of Marilyn Monroe. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, Megan, <laughs> this is a great, <laughs> a great topic. Thank you. Thanks for confirming it. <laughs> Thank you for, for sending this in. Um, and thanks for being a loyal bunk bunker. We appreciate it. And, you know, I think, I think bunk bunkers, you're going to appreciate today's topic. If you really enjoyed our episodes on the Kennedy assassinations, either Bobby or John, both have the middle name F. And they both might have had the middle name F for for fucking because, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, they're involved in today's episode because of their their possible affairs with Marilyn Monroe. John fucking Kennedy. <laughs> um, Robert ex- fucking Kennedy. It's me, I, uh, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Why are these Kennedys always fucking people? <laughs> John Kennedy <laughs> has a penis that doesn't stop. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, Gilbert Godfrey will be joining us today as well. He'll be making a comeback. And... Uh, um, if you want to find out why John F. Kennedy and R- Robert F. Kennedy, you know, why they were porking, you know, uh, and how that possibly could have involved the death of Marilyn Monroe, as well as Marilyn Mur- Monroe's life and her possible connection to the mob um, and lots of other stuff. So, you know what? If you want to get right to it, uh, you can look in the show notes, okay? Look look in the time look at look in the episode description look in the show notes you're going to find a timestamp and you can follow that timestamp on your audio playing device and you'll fast end up forward. you can fast forward to right when the research begins right when the story begins right because first Andy and I as we have for these past 6 or 7 months need to talk about where in the world is Mr. Bunker where in the world is Mr. Bunker. Um, so a classic segment, Andy. Yeah, yeah, classic, classic segment here. Where's the bunker? <laughs> um, so bunk bunkers, uh, throughout, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, art and I have been quarantined safely in our homes, um, away from humanity as probably should have always been. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Bunker has been globe trotting even into outer space. Uh, he's been all over the place and uh, we've even received reports from bunk funkers like yourselves uh, about his his whereabouts, uh, about his whereabouts of his whereabouts. Uh, at any uh, rate, people of. people are seeing him out there in the world. And oh, uh, yeah, they're getting a glimpse um, today. Uh, we have yet another account of uh, mm-hmm. a Mr. Bunker sighting. Um, this one comes to us from our very good friend, uh, Heba. And Heba uh, had an encounter with Mr. Bunker uh, that I'd, I'd like to share with you now. Um, so this comes from Heba. Uh, I finally managed to go on vacation. My hubby and I have been RVing up the coast of California. Today we were at Del Mar Dog Beach for a few hours to let our corgi and mutt run free. They were going absolutely wild, sniffing other dogs, running into the water, barking at the waves, 
and being happy little doggos. Until a very large, unusual-looking dog came and crashed their party. My husband works animal control, so he is very familiar with all sorts of crazy dog breeds, but he didn't recognize this one. The thing was black and shaggy, and I swear, the size of a pony. Whatever breed this thing was, it was aggressive and bullied my dogs right out into the deep water. I, of course, ran after my puppies, worried sick about their safety. Just as I got out to them, two large hands grabbed my ankles and tried to pull me under. It was Mr. Bunker, and I think he was trying to drown beachgoers. I don't know what his deal is with him. I don't know what his deal is with him. No, you gotta get but but you should really try and control him and his cryptid animals. Oh my god. Wow. 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 Um all right. So a couple of things I mean that strike me right away. I mean, Heba, thank God you're okay. Yeah. And thank God your Safety puppies is, are okay. Yeah, Paramount. Yeah. Um, Paramount Pictures presents Heba being safe and her dogs are okay. Uh, this is another aggressive bunker sighting. Jeez, um, I mean, last week we had him playing disc golf with yeah. another great bunk bunker of ours, Rocky. Nah, it's Balboa. <laughs> okay, we he got all those messages being like, us. oh, Rocky Balboa. No, it wasn't Rocky Balboa. No, Rocky Balboa. Stop asking. Hey, so Mr. Bunker, again. Hey, it's Sylvester so Stallone. Wow, yeah, that's what he sounds like. Program. Thank you. Um, you know, I think that we have to assume that this mystery breed of dog uh, was probably Peon Musk. Um, yeah, this that's what I was thinking too, Andy. Here, I think you know we've learned a lot about Peon Musk. Yeah. Uh, ever since you know, obviously, it seems like Bunkla is some sort of failed uh, car. Uh, mm-hmm branch of bunk tech industries and now uh, i don't know what uh, mr bunker's play is he he seems like he's constantly trying to kidnap and capture heba in some capacity yeah Um, he had a couple trying to take her blood right um you know uh and now trying to drown her and other beachgoers you know, um, I mean, maybe Heba is somehow tied to the uh, esoteric success of Bunkla and is uh, in some ways keeping Peon Musk alive. Reanimated. Yeah. Sasquatch. Yeah. In some, yeah. Maybe like they feed off. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, mm-hmm. theory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is, but... Alternatively, Andy, you know, obviously Peon Musk is mm-hmm. trying to be trained as this sort of like CEO. Right. And, um, you know, as we know nowadays, a lot of tech company CEOs, they can be a little outlandish and they can do a, they can do some weird stuff. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're always out there. They're always doing weird things where they become the CEO of some tech company and then they want to go like live in the desert and meditate and get away from technology. You know, right. but they run some bullshit social media company that makes money off of ad or advertising and selling people's data. Right. 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 So uh, maybe this is some sort of weird tantric like we need to get back to our animal roots sort of meditation training mm-hmm. ayahuasca drug trip thingy b- burning man 
uh, Joshua Tree uh, sort of thing that Bunker is doing with Peon Musk, but it's kind of ironic because Peon Musk, I mean, literally is an animal. Right. You know. Yeah. Or some kind of hybrid creature, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I yeah. guess I guess the Bigfoot is an animal, technically. Yeah, we don't really know the provenance of the of the Sasquatch genetically. We have yet to see a DNA sample of Peon Musk. That's right. Even though we, we just know that it's a for it's Peon a Musk's DNA. Yeah. In any form. Um, you know, here's another idea. Yeah. Um maybe um maybe Peon Musk is um just sort of an unwitting um you know I guess uh like a patsy per- participant? Yeah, and uh Mr. Bu- Bunker just has like bloodlust. <laughs> <laughs> He just has bloodlust. <laughs> he could have just been bored. I mean, yeah, he could have just been bored and be like, "Hey, you want to go fucking drown? Go drown people? Go drown beach? some some beach <laughs> Peter Musk was like, <laughs> "I'll take that." <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's just like the subtitles are like, "Well, I got to check my. I guess I'll clear my calendars." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really a needed lot of- to meet. I need to meet with various tire distributors to get Bunkla going, but I guess, yeah, I get to go break and go drown <laughs> beachgoers. Yeah, but Mr. Bunker is probably the number one thing standing in the way of Bunkla's success. <laughs> um, You know, I'm glad... Uh, well, I'm glad that no other beachgoers were hurt. I mean... That we know of. Some, you know, creepy guy grabbing your ankles while you're swimming at the beach. You know, that's... That's pretty fucked up. You definitely, I think, in those situations, need to call on a lifeguard. Yeah. Unfortunately, fucking lifeguards, they're so goddamn attractive, but they run so fucking slow. Yeah, it's true. Um, It's like, Jesus, you guys are fucking beautiful, but, like, come on, people are drowning out there. Yeah. You know, it would be be nice if we got some some lifeguards who were actually, like, moved at a regular pace. Yeah, ugly, uh, (laughs) you know, like, just disgustingly ugly uh lifeguards who moved at a regular pace or faster than normal yeah <laughs> you know like if you spliced uh my dna with that of a hummingbird uh i'm sure you would come up with some just hideous creature that that would have looked like tiny it was tiny wings in, multi- in like plus half speed right right yeah tiny tiny wings but that creature, that cryptid would be addicted to nectar. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got nectar. my nectar addiction plus, <laughs> you know, just hummingbirds regular, like, eating nectar. Like that. That's true. You've, you've, been, uh, you've been arrested quite a few times for, um, you know, kind of, you know, being on people's property trying to, like, kind of suck their flowers. Like, you're trying to, like, you know, stick your tongue into their flowers. Various garden beds. You've been kicked out of the botanical gardens yep, yep. in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom uh, couldn't put up the hummingbird feeder at my at a house <laughs> I grew up in because I would just drink that syrup right out of there, slurp it down as soon as it went out. <laughs> yeah, Andy, you've 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 led uh, quite the life. Um, 
Yeah, I have a glass of water every morning when I get out of bed, and it has a cup of sugar dissolved in it. <laughs> and it's a four-ounce glass of water. <laughs> you know, I like to buy the I like to buy the water bottles, like the plastic water bottles, um, because sure. I like I like creating more waste uh, than necessary. <laughs> and I like to buy those at the store, uh, and then you know I. I just basically I dump out half the water and fill it up with sugar, and then that's what I drink. It's like, you know, it's like kind of that thick sludgy sugar. Sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I've seen you. Uh, I've seen you buy packages of gusher and just kind of surgically remove all the uh, delicious syrup inside the gusher and pour it into your water. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like sucking shrimp heads, um, <laughs> sucking the the gush out of a gusher. Yeah. Like you just gotta you just gotta. You use the teeth just right, and then you, and then you can just spit it right in your water. Yeah, like a crawdad. Yeah. Well, um. Anyway, Heba, thank you for sending in that bunker sighting. I mean, that is um, that's harrowing. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you're yeah. all right. I'm glad that your dogs are all right. Um, we're yeah, sorry Heba. that bunker keeps, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, we'll talk to him. We'll see what we can do. But I mean, honestly, we have very little influence. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, I feel like over the years, our relationship has fluctuated. But for the most of the time, you know, we're not on good terms with Mr. Bunker. Yeah. I mean, we're kind yeah, of, I'd in say, like, you know, just in general, like, like we're not influencers. We're like unfluencers. <laughs> yeah <laughs> in fact uh, there's a lot of ads that will pay us to not use their brand publicly ever <laughs> yeah 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 we've we've gotten jobs uh as like spokespeople for like not using a product like right that's a positive like oh we're not allowed to use this product like i'm not mm-hmm. allowed to shave with gillette right and um, like Manscaped, you know, you can, if you miss CVS, <laughs> these are some big fucking brands. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's been rough. Where are you? you're, you're getting all these fucking big brands, Andy. I'm getting the fucking little guys. I've got like Manscaped, Raycon headphones. They're fucking uh, headphones. They're fucking telling me that not to use their headphones, paying me not to use them. Manscaped mm-hmm. is paying me not to use their products. Yeah, I'm being paid not to. Use. You're fucking getting beef <laughs> yeah I recently got a, a Nike unsponsorship they've asked me to never be seen with their products in public yeah yeah I mean I'm like there's a like there's an ad running now where you know I have a I have a I'm listening to a pair of airpods and like kind of dancing <laughs> And then somebody like a Steve Jobs lookalike. It's clearly not Steve Jobs, but it's obviously just a lookalike. Comes mm-hmm. and pulls pulls the AirPods out of my ear and kicks me into groin. <laughs> and then he says, "No, not you." <laughs> AirPods for everyone except Andy. Yeah, I made some good Big money thinks- off that though. I'm sure, I'm sure. Big things, big things happening over here. Um, 
on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. But thanks yeah. again, Heba. Heba, thank, thank you. you for sending that in. And you know, bunk bunkers, um, if if you're out there just like Heba was, and you're mm. RVing anywhere, and you happen to see Mister Bunker, let us know because um, oh, yeah. these are terrifying. These are interesting. Uh, these are that's it. They're only terrifying and interesting. But keep them coming. <laughs> we like to read them. That's true. We love it. And um, sorry, I decided to take a sip of water in in the middle of saying a <laughs> good, sentence. Good, I, good thinking. <laughs> Good. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I did that. Ah, this I is honestly probably God, the most no professional podcast that you've ever listened to. I have to imagine. I was holding the cup of water, and then uh, middle of the sentence, just decided to start sipping it. Um, hey, Art, you know, uh, before you go into that, I want to tell a story about a dumb thing I did the other day. Um, so, okay. uh, I was uh, so I'm I'm at the grocery store, right? I've, I'm with my family at the grocery store, and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's good water. So much sugar in there. Hey, what were we talking about? <laughs> anyway. He Point was, taken, you. Andy. Point taken. Jeez Louise, I'm getting grief from all sides. No respect, <laughs> oh, no respect geez. at all. Um, oh, Andy, we got to get to another segment here, another classic segment <laughs> on the old bunker. Yeah. And that is the bunker alarm. Ooh, yeah, the bunker alarm. I mean, a relatively new segment, but easily the most popular segment. Uh, and that includes <laughs> the original trifecta of uh, intro uh, research and discussion. Uh, more popular than any of those uh, is the bunker alarm. Sure. Uh, what Art and I uh, do in the bunker alarm is we like to take a little bit of time to recognize uh, a bunk funker. This is like uh, making the bunker dean's list, basically. Um, oh, yeah. And we utilize a groundbreaking piece of technology known as the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000, which allows us to play a perfectly synced alarm sound to honor the Bunk Funker of the day. Or mm-hmm. Bunk Funkers, as the case might That's be. That's right. Um, so, um, yeah, go ahead. This week, uh, we are honoring the uh, the submitter of today's topic. That's Megan Peace Hand Symbol Emoji. Megan peace hand symbol emoji um, and the weekly yeah. top 40. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Megan, for um, sending in today's Megan, topic. If you ever and wanted sending to do in... your own adult contemporary countdown show uh, on syndicated radio, <laughs> I'd be happy to sing the theme. <laughs> yeah. The intro drop here, all done by Andy. Um, uh, Megan, thank you for, you know, being a loyal bunk funker and for sending in such great topics and listening. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. And um, Andy's going to queue up a uh, wonderful Bunk Tech 3000 mm-hmm. bunker alarm for you. I'm just uh, programming it now. That's right. Okay. Uh... That looks good. Um, now, um, as everyone knows, it's customary for us to do a countdown, even though it's not necessary. Uh, this is just more of a to get to get you ready to hear yeah. an alarm sound. It's tradition. It's tradition. Yeah, it's tradition. Uh, it's it's like eating turkey. Yeah, it's tradition. Um, so I'm going to do a countdown, and then uh, you'll you'll hear it. Bunk funkers, perfectly synced uh, alarm sound in honor of. Our friend and your friend, Megan, peace hand symbol emoji. All right, here we go. Three, 
two, one. And there you have it. Uh, oh, Megan. Wow, 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 wow. Peace wow. hand symbol emoji. I hope you appreciate the technological lengths that it takes to play an alarm that yeah. synchronized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was that was one of the best. Yeah, easily. Um, and Megan, you deserve it. You deserve it. Thank you again, Megan. And you know what, Andy? Speaking of one of the bests, I mean, oh. you got to give it up to Marilyn Monroe, one of the best to wow. ever do it. Yeah, one um, of one of the one of the greats. I mean. Not many actresses or, you know, celebrity, icon, whatever you want to call it, are still being talked about all these years later. She did not have a very lengthy career. No, she did not. Uh, Or a lengthy life. still talking about her. Or a lengthy life. And we're still talking about her to this day. I mean, she is still an icon. She is still well-regarded and beloved. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. But, hey, we got to explore what happened in the event of her death. Um, and all the conspiracies involved in it. There's a lot of stuff. And for hey, for you people who are fans of Marilyn Monroe in general, you're fans of like old Hollywood, uh, the Kennedys, the mob, and enemas. Um, I think you're gonna find something to like in today's episode, don't you think? Oh yeah, I think there's uh, there's a lot here for everybody. Yeah. A lot of fun for the whole family here. Yeah, yeah. Bring the kids around. Uh, especially the one. animas. You know, it's like that old saying, the family that animas together stays together. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean animas That's the saying. Animas can can bring people together. And that's all they can do. They don't do anything other <laughs> than bring people together. Well, hey, bunkfuckers, we don't mean to flush you out, but uh we gotta fill you up with the whole enchilada. <laughs> On Marilyn Monroe's no. here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. birthday Mr. Bunker mm, Art You're a touch flat there mm, Here, 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 here Like this, like this Happy birthday Mr. Bunker Um You know Andy Might I say You were a little sharp There, here Happy birthday, Mr. Bunker. Happy birthday, Mr. Bunker. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Andy, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Andy. 
I just realized something. What? It's not even Mr. Bunker's birthday. Oh, come on. What the fuck? God damn it. This is the third time he's tricked us into singing to him so sultrily and sexily. Fuck! I hate being made a sexy fool by Bunker! God damn it! Fuck! I'm pissed! Fuck! Well, if anything, Andy, I mean... It's a great segue in today's topic, and uh, if anything also, it, it shows our amazing acting skills. I mean, everyone knows <laughs> when you're angry in a scene, you should go, you should make a very loud, angry noise and say, I'm angry! <laughs> I'm mad about this! Fuck! <laughs> but it is a great segue in today's topic, which is the luminous, legendary, bombshell icon, Marilyn Monroe. Now, Marilyn Monroe was a talented, uh, was as talented on the stage as she was beautiful. I mean, although she was uh, most often remembered for her, you know, her looks, she was a talented actress, singer, comedian, and dancer. I mean, she had it all. But as so often is the case with performers, what we saw on the outside did not necessarily match how Marilyn felt on the inside. She labored a difficult, abusive childhood, leading to a career riddled with self-doubt, loneliness, and heavy drug use. Tragically, this whirlwind of Hollywood glitz and glamour ended on August 4th, 1962, when uh, Marilyn Monroe was found dead in her Los Angeles home at the age of 36 of an apparent suicide by way of drug overdose. But the question still lingers today. Was her death truly a suicide, or was there something more sinister at play? And... Could it have involved the mob or even then U.S. President John F. Kennedy? Well, before we get to our main conspiracy feature presentation, let us present our opening act, a brief overview of the life of Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, if you don't know, was a stage name. Monroe was born Norma Jean Mortensen in Los Angeles, California, June 1st, 1926, Monroe had a difficult childhood, to say the least. Her mother, Gladys, at age 15, married an abusive man, John Newton Baker, and they had two children before she filed for divorce in 1923, but not before Baker kidnapped the children and fled to Kentucky. Monroe wouldn't know she had siblings until age 12 and didn't meet them until she was an adult. Gladys later married Martin Edward Mortensen, but they separated months after being married and finally divorced when Marilyn was two. Thus, Marilyn never knew her birth father. Gladys placed Monroe in a series of foster homes, but she would visit her frequently on the weekends. Eventually, she was able to buy a home, which she moved young Marilyn into with her and rented it with actors George and Maude Atkinson and their daughter, Nellie. In January 1934, Gladys had a mental breakdown and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. She was committed to the Metropolitan State Hospital a few months later. She spent the rest of her life in and out of hospitals and was rarely in contact with Monroe. Thus, Monroe became a ward of the state and her mother's friend, Grace Goddard, took responsibility over her. Monroe's living situation changed often in the following years. She continued to live with the Atkinsons but was sexually abused there. Then she briefly stayed with Grace Goddard and her husband, Doc Goddard, before living in an orphanage. 
The orphanage was well regarded, but Monroe felt lonely and abandoned there, so she returned to the Goddards, but only briefly, because while there for her second stay, Doc molested her. So young Marilyn lived with various relatives before again returning to live with the Goddards during her high school years. Doc's job was going to relocate him to West Virginia, so to get out of moving there, Monroe married her neighbor's son, James Doherty, at age 16. Now, while James was shipped out to the Pacific in 1944, Monroe began to work at a munitions factory where she then met photographer David Conover. This was the catalyst for Marilyn's illustrious career. She began to model for Conover, shooting morale-boosting images of female workers. Monroe was a natural, so she quit working at the factory and became a full-time model and then adopted the name Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn after Broadway star Marilyn Miller and Monroe, which was her mother's maiden name. Monroe really was ambitious and hardworking. Uh, By early 1946, she had appeared on 33 magazine covers for publications such as Pageant, U.S. Camera, Laugh, and Peak. Her husband, James Doherty, disapproved of, of Monroe pursuing a career, and thus their marriage ended in divorce. Monroe then dedicated herself to singing, acting, and dancing classes. Um, wow. No improv? (laughs) Good luck making a Herald team. (laughs) You're telling me, Andy. Marilyn really should have committed all her free time to hanging out at dingy bars and improv clubs so she could pay to perform comedy for free for like 10 to 12 people on Monday nights, you know? Much better career move if you ask me, Andy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she she fucked up. Anywho, unlike most improvisers, Monroe was given her first film roles film roles around this time. You know, just bit parts, but uh, they were in the movies 1947's Dangerous Years and 1948's Scuba Ho, Scudda Ho, Scuba Hey. They don't they you don't know, name them like they them. used to. Yeah. They don't name <laughs> them like they used to. <laughs> you love them. Great films. Um. Monroe continued to take acting classes, but was considered too shy to ever really make it. To get her name out there um, more, she would frequent producers' offices, you know, she befriended gossip colonists, and entertained influential Hollywood head honchos, if you catch our drift. For example, she became a friend and occasional sex partner of Fox executive Joseph M. Schneck, who persuaded the head execs at Columbia Pictures to start casting Monroe in movie flicks. It was at Columbia uh, Pictures that Monroe's signature look started to evolve. That's, you know, her hairline was uh, raised and uh, straightened and her hair was bleached platinum blonde. That's right, bunkfunkers. Monroe was actually a naturally curly brown-haired person. Monroe started to get a few more roles in films. Um... She then became the protege of Johnny Hyde, the vice president of the William Morris Agency. Their relationship soon became sexual, and he proposed marriage, but Monroe refused. He paid for Monroe to have plastic surgery on her jaw and possibly a rhinoplasty, and arranged a bit part in the Marx Brothers film Love Happy from 1950. Meanwhile, Monroe continued modeling. She appeared in advertisements for Pabst Beer and posed in artistic nudes for John Baumgarth calendars. Monroe had previously posed semi-nude, but was comfortable showing skin, just like me. Aside from Love Happy in 1950, Monroe had, uh, or I should say, aside from Love Happy 
1950, Monroe had bit parts in A Ticket to Tomahawk, Right Cross, and The Fireball, but also appeared in minor supporting roles in two critically acclaimed films, Joseph Mankiewicz's drama All About Eve and John Huston's crime film The Asphalt Jungle. Monroe continued to get more movie roles in moderately successful comedies, mostly. In early 1952, she began a highly publicized romance with retired New York Yankees baseball star Joe DiMaggio, one of the most famous sports personalities of the era. In 1952, a scandal emerged when the nude photos from 1949 were published and Monroe was finally identified as the model. It had been speculated, but wasn't confirmed until 1952. To get ahead of the scandal, Monroe embraced it, saying she was broke at the time and needed the money. The bold move paid off because she got a lot of public sympathy and increased interest in her films, earning her top billing. Cha-ching! Monroe continued to act in movies, mostly comedies that capitalized on her looks, but also played up her sex appeal for fame and gossip. By the end of the year, gossip columnist Florabelle Muir named Monroe the It Girl of 1952. Andy, weren't you named the Cousin It Boy of 1992? I sure was. Uh, most likely to hide his hideous features behind floor-length full body hair was also my superlative in high school. Oh, wow. Everything is coming to fruition for you. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people live up to those superlatives, but I did. That's right. You took it to heart. Well, Monroe had developed a reputation as a difficult actor to work with. Um, not really something to live up to there. She wouldn't show up on time she often didn't have her lines memorized and she needed the constant help of acting coaches and had a bad combo of perfectionism, low self-esteem and stage fright. So to alleviate her anxiety and chronic insomnia, she began to use barbiturates, amphetamines and alcohol, which, you know, also exacerbated her problems. This is, of course, amplified by the constant sexism and condescension that uh, Monroe dealt with on set. By 1953, Monroe was one of Hollywood's most bankable stars, though, and gained major sex appeal. In the 1953 film Niagara, uh, Monroe played the classic femme fatale in this classic noir film. The movie helped cement her iconic look of, you know, bright red lipstick, those dark arched eyebrows, her pale skin, and her, you know, her beauty mark. Um, but this film was considered pretty risque for the time and it was protested heavily but Hollywood horn dogs didn't care baby sex sells <laughs> Monroe then starred Ooga is right Monroe then starred in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes had a part on the Jack Benny show and the lead in How to Marry a Millionaire in December 1953 Hugh Hefner creator of Playboy magazine featured her on the cover and as centerfold in the first issue of Playboy Here's the thing. Monroe did not consent to the publication. The cover image was a photograph taken of her at the Miss America pageant parade in 1952, and the centerfold featured one of her 1949 nude photographs. In 1954, she married Joe DiMaggio uh, and starred in more films, such as The Seven Year Itch, where the iconic shot of her in the white dress pillowing up from the New York subway grates was staged for the movie. But DiMaggio, well, he didn't like that Monroe was becoming an international sex symbol, and well, their union was kind of troubled from the start. You see, DiMaggio had kind of a controlling and jealous attitude and also was physically abusive. 
Thus, only nine months after their marriage, Monroe filed for divorce in October of 1954. Monroe continued to act, creating her own production company and producing films in which she got to show off her acting chops and didn't have to play the ditzy bombshell blonde anymore. In 1956, she married playwright and writer Arthur Miller. By this time, Monroe's dependence on drugs escalated and allegedly she had a miscarriage, adding to her inner turmoil. She also starred in the comedy Some Like It Hot, where co-star Tony Curtis described kissing Monroe as, quote, like kissing Hitler, end quote, due to how obnoxious she was to work with, constantly demanding retakes and not knowing her lines. You know, Hitler-esque behavior. (laughs) However, Marilyn also disagreed with director Billy Wilder on how her character should be performed. Monroe's performance earned her a Golden Globe for Best Actress and prompted Variety to call her, quote, a comedian with that combination of sex appeal and timing that just can't be beat, end quote. The film has been voted one of the best films ever made. From there, Monroe's career started to decline. She and Miller obtained a divorce in Mexico in 1961, and her drug addiction was so severe that her makeup usually had to be applied while she was still asleep under the influence of barbiturates. Monroe started to take time off from filming to attend detox programs. Instead of working, she spent the first six months of 1961 preoccupied by health problems. She underwent a cholecystectomy and surgery for her endometriosis and spent four weeks hospitalized for depression. While filming Something's Got to Give on May 19th, she took a break to sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President on stage at President John F. Kennedy's early birthday celebration at Madison Square Garden in New York. Now, only a few months later, on August 4th, Monroe would pass away in her Los Angeles home in Brentwood. In the morning on Saturday, August 4th, she met with photographer Lawrence Schiller to discuss the possibility of Playboy publishing nude photos taken of her on the set of Something's Got to Give. She also received a massage from her personal massage therapist, talked with friends on the phone, and signed deliveries. With her was her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, and her publicist, Patricia Newcomb. Now, at 4.30 p.m., Monroe's psychiatrist, Ralph Greenson, arrived at the house to conduct a therapy session and asked Newcomb to leave. At around 7 p.m., Greenson left and asked Murray to stay overnight to keep Monroe company. At approximately 7 to 7.15 p.m., Monroe received a call from Joe DiMaggio Jr., the son of Joe DiMaggio with whom she had stayed close with since her divorce from his father. At around 7.40 to 7.45-ish, she called her psychiatrist, Greenson, to talk about her conversation with Joe Jr. Joe had uh, recently broken up with a girlfriend whom Monroe didn't care for, and she wanted to spread the news. Monroe went to her bedroom at around 8 p.m. She received a phone call from actor and brother-in-law of President John F. Kennedy, Peter Lawford. Lawford tried to convince Monroe to come out to a party he was throwing that evening. Jesus Christ, Art. This is like 18 phone calls in a row on a Saturday evening. I'm tired just reading about it. Andy, I'm literally sweating thinking about it. I'm sweating. (laughs) Being a 60s celebrity sex symbol is friggin' exhausting. Yeah. I'm sweating. Imagine talking to all those may people. May or may alone. not be related to the exhaustion level. <laughs> yeah. 
Whew. Anyway, Lawford felt uneasy about his phone call with Monroe. According to him, it sounded like she was under the influence of drugs. She told him, quote, Say goodbye to Pat. Say goodbye to the president. And say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy. End quote. Before drifting off. Lawford attempted to call back but was unable to reach her. So he called his agent, who unsuccessfully tried to reach Greenson, the psychiatrist, but was later able to reach Monroe's lawyer. The lawyer called the house and was able to get a hold of Murray, the housekeeper, who assured him that Monroe was fine. Cut to 3.30 a.m. on Sunday, August 5th. Murray woke up, quote, sensing that something was wrong, end quote, and saw light from under Monroe's bedroom door. Attempting to knock, she was not able to get a response and found the door locked. Murray then called Greenson, who told her to look through Monroe's bedroom window. The house, the house had only one floor. Uh, Murray did this and saw Monroe lying face down on her bed, covered by a sheet and clutching a telephone receiver. Greenson arrived shortly thereafter. He entered the room by breaking a window and found Monroe dead. He called her physician, Hyman Engelberg, who arrived at the house at around 3.50 a.m. and officially confirmed the death. At 4.25 a.m., they notified the Los Angeles Police Department. And Marilyn Monroe was officially dead. But how? What happened to Hollywood's It Girl? Well, let's take a look into the autopsy report from Monroe. It indicated that Monroe died between 8.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. on August 4th. The toxicology report showed that the cause of death was acute barbiturate poisoning. Now, she had about 8 milligram percent, that's milligrams per 100 milliliters of solution of uh, chloral hydrate and 4.5 milligram percent of pentobarbital, the brand of which was Nembutal in her blood, and 13 milligram percent of pentobarbital in her liver. Now, for those of you who aren't in the thug and know, um, these are barbiturates or, you know, downers, depressants. Um, empty medicine bottles were found next to Monroe's bed, and the possibility that Monroe accidentally overdosed was ruled out because the dosages found in her body were several times over the lethal limit. The Los Angeles County Coroner's Office worked with the Los Angeles Suicide Prevention Team, who had expert knowledge on suicide. Monroe's doctors stated that she had, quote, pr been prone to severe fears and frequent depressions, end quote, and, quote, abrupt and unpredictable mood changes, quote, and had overdosed several times in the past, possibly intentionally. Now, along with the lack of any indication of foul play, Deputy Coroner Thomas Noguchi um, classified her death as a probable suicide. So how does this report add to our timeline of events? It is estimated uh, Marilyn would have had to take somewhere between 25 and 50 of her Nembutal pills, uh, a standard capsule pill with a distinct yellow exterior, to reach these levels. Now, it's a lot of pills. Did she ingest these pills orally? Possibly. At her autopsy, not a trace of the drugs or pill capsules were found in her stomach, though. It has been argued that the yellow Nembutal pill wrappings could have broken down and left no trace in the stomach, 
But Noguchi, the pathologist, could find no traces of the fine refractive crystals, which also should have been present if ingested orally. Toxicologist Robert H. Cravey, who has studied over 1,500 cases, stated, quote, In every case of a drug overdose through oral entry, I have always found drugs in the stomach, end quote. Well, I know quite a bit about using my mouth, so much so, in fact, that I am equally aware of another hole in the body due to its relation to the mouth. I, of course, speak of the butthole. Drugs <laughs> can be ingested anally, Art. Wow. As can soft foods. In fact, John W. Minor, former deputy district attorney of L.A. County, was present at the autopsy. He believes Marilyn may have been killed by an enema with 30 or more of the nembutal dissolved in water and administered anally. If Miner is right, then whoever administered the enema was Monroe's killer. I mean, I know we say that every episode, that whoever administered the <laughs> enema was the killer. But in this case, it might actually be relevant. That's true. The autopsy details were echoed by some details in the crime scene. For example, according to Jack Clemens, the first police officer to arrive at Monroe's home, he found no glass or, you know, glass of water in her bedroom. Now, how could Monroe have swallowed all those pills without any water? Monroe was notorious for needing to drink a lot of water to swallow pills. Police also noticed the lack of vomit, which, you know, would be expected from someone who had orally overdosed on barbiturates. This leads into some discrepancies over her death report and when exactly emergency services were called. Now, what I'm saying here is that the timeline of Monroe's death is in question. The official story is that Mon Marilyn Monroe was pronounced dead by her doctor at around 3.50 a.m., but how true is that? Murray is the key witness to Monroe's death here. As we mentioned, she, she spotted her through the bedroom window lying face down in her bed, in Monroe's bed. We also mentioned that she initially went to check on Monroe at 3.30 a.m. because she, quote, woke up with a bad feeling, end quote. To be fair, this is, this is, this is plausible. But it's a little sus, no? A little sus? Apparently, Murray initially told police that she knocked on Marilyn's door at around midnight, but got no reply. She then phoned Greenson, who arrived at the house shortly followed by Monroe's doctor, Dr. Engelberg. The three then broke through Monroe's bedroom door. Uh, I can only assume that they each kind of peeked out from around the doorframe one at a time in a very, like, Three Stooges-esque fashion, like, boop. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then they discovered Marilyn's dead body laid out on the bed. Now, this could have only been, you know, a short time after midnight. So why weren't the police and emergency services contacted until 425 a.m.? Why would the trio wait that long? This new midnight timeline is somewhat consistent with the undertaker Guy Hockett who arrived at the house at around 5.40 a.m. From, from Monroe's body's state of rigor mortis, Hockett estimated the time of death between 9.30 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. But apparently then, Murray and company changed their story, now stating what the official timeline stated, which is that Murray went to bed at midnight, but got up at 3.30 and noticed a light on in Monroe's bedroom and then went to check on her. 
In this revised timeline, Greenson found Marilyn dead at 3.40 a.m. and Engelberg pronounced her dead at 3.50 a.m. And the police were alerted, alerted shortly after. So why the two timelines? Was there something being to be covered up? According to Jack Clemens, who was, again, the first policeman at the scene, he was immediately suspicious that the crime scene had been altered. Monroe's body looked to be in an unnatural position, as if it had been posed. The bedroom was strangely tidy, and, again, there was no glass of water. Murray was also apparently running the washer and dryer in the middle of the night, which is an odd thing to do the night you found out your employer is dead. But a convenient thing to do if you want to clean soiled sheets. Perhaps sheets soiled by an enema or some other kind of struggle. However, this washing story is is frequently refuted. Another discrepancy, according to Natalie Trundy, who was attending a Hollywood Bowl concert with uh, Monroe's agent at the time, Arthur Jacobs. Jacobs apparently received a call from Monroe's lawyer, Mickey Rudin, stating that Monroe was dead. Peter Lawford was also allegedly told by Rudin that Monroe was dead. All of this before her body had supposedly been discovered. If Monroe's agent and lawyer already knew she was dead at 10.30 p.m., then something fishy was going on at the house. Somebody was lying. This new 10.30 timeline is also most consistent with Guy Hockett's estimate of the time of death of around 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. All right, so, you know, maybe there's some discrepancies in the Monroe death timeline. Maybe there isn't. But would anyone actually want Marilyn Monroe dead? And why? Why, Andy? Mm. Enter one John F. and Robert F. Kennedy. Political domino... Dime... Dime... Nom, 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 nom. Political dominoes. Political dynamos and certified sex machines. Hooey, them Kennedy boys is at it again. <laughs> oh, they are. <laughs> they are a mess of trouble. We covered the controversial assassinations of both of the Kennedys already, but... You know what? Even when these boys were alive, trouble seemed to follow. (laughs) Rumors about Marilyn's sexual affairs with President John F. Kennedy were spurred due to her sultry performance of Happy Birthday, which Andy and I covered, for his 45th birthday celebration earlier in 1962. Uh, Excuse me, Art. I think you mean which Andy and I accurately recreated. (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) Uh, The only known photo of JFK and Monroe was taken by White House photographer Cecil Stoughton after her birthday performance during a party at the home of movie executive Arthur Krim. A lot of Arthurs in this story. I like it. (laughs) However, Stoughton kept the photo a secret for decades before releasing it in 2010. Now, according to author and Monroe's biographer, James Spada, Actor Peter Lawford introduced Monroe to JFK in 1954. The two hit it off and, you know, they probably boned. It was probably pretty hot. I mean, you know, to watch, you know, I mean, we'd all watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but when JFK grew tired of Monroe, he allegedly passed her off to his his younger brother, um, Bobby, or RFK, as we'll frequently call him, in the spring of 1962. Though Spada doesn't believe there's any proof that the Kennedys were responsible responsible for Monroe's death, he said, quote, it was pretty clear that Marilyn 
had had sexual relations with both Bobby and Jack, end quote. Some witnesses claim to have heard a disturbing tape from the bugged home, from Monroe's bugged home the night of her death, on which the voices of Lawford, an angry Bobby Kennedy, and a screaming Monroe are audible. It was reported that she had been threatening to hold a press conference divulging her relationships with them, which obviously would have been disastrous for their political careers. Eunice Murray, the housekeeper, has also stoked the conspiracy flames by about the Kennedy involvement with Monroe's death. Now, Attorney General Robert Kennedy was officially in San Francisco on the day of Monroe's death, but according to Murray, RFK did indeed visit Monroe's home the night of her death. RFK was confirmed to be in town the night of Monroe's death. During a 1983 BBC interview, Murray allegedly said words to the effect of, quote, Oh, why do I have to keep covering this up? End quote. When asked, covering what up, Mrs. Murray? She said, well, of course, Bobby Kennedy was there on August 4th. And of course, there was an affair with Bobby Kennedy. 20th Century Fox publicist Frank Neal allegedly saw Kennedy arrive by helicopter at the studio's heliport near stage 14 early Saturday afternoon, where he was whisked away in a limousine driven by his brother-in-law, actor Peter Lawford. The limousine was later stopped by Beverly Hills traffic policeman Lynn Franklin, who says he observed Lawford at the wheel and Robert Kennedy in the back with a man he later identified as Ralph Greenson. These sightings of Kennedy were confirmed by L.A. Police Chief Daryl Gates and other senior L.A. police detectives through their surveillance of the airport. Quote, the truth is, we knew Robert Kennedy was in town on August 4th, Gates later said. Quote, we always knew when he was in town, end quote. Murray's son-in-law, Norman Jeffries, has also confirmed Murray's story. According to Jeffries, Kennedy arrived with Peter Lawford, had an intense argument with Monroe, then left the property, and then came back with two men at around 10 p.m., a fact corroborated by neighbors opposite the property who also saw Kennedy enter the property with the two men. Jeffries and Murray were ordered out of the house, after Kennedy and the men left, they re-entered the house to find Marilyn Comatose in the guest bedroom. Further fueling the story that the Kennedys were involved in Monroe's death is the fact that a couple of the people close to the investigation were later given high-profile new jobs. Monroe's publicist, Pat Newcomb, quote, was spirited off to the Kennedys' compound in Hyannisport, end quote, according to Michael Selzman, who worked for Monroe's publicist, told People magazine in 2012. Quote, six months later, she was awarded a job in the U.S. Information Agency in Washington, D.C., end quote. Newcomb helped Bobby Kennedy in his senatorial campaign in 1964 and was also his campaign manager in the 1968 presidential election until his assassination. Political sex scandals would have ruined the Kennedys' career for sure, but their plot to kill Fidel Castro would bring on a whole other host of issues. Apparently, Monroe kept a diary where she detailed all her scandalous sex adventures with the Kennedys. But she also detailed conversations she had had with the brothers about their plot to murder Fidel Castro, the communist leader of Cuba. Now, was Monroe's death the result of her becoming a risk to national security? Did the Kennedys take matters into their own hands that night in order to get Monroe's diary? Well, according to Norman Jeffries, Monroe's filing cabinet had been broken into on the night of her death. 
Furthermore, private investigator Robert Otash claimed to have bugged Monroe's house, quote, on behalf of the FBI, end quote. But after Otash's death, papers he kept hidden revealed wild details about what he apparently heard from the bugged house of Monroe the night of her death. Otash described a violent struggle between RFK and Monroe. Kennedy allegedly shouted, Where is it? <laughs> Where is there it? it is. While Monroe complained about her treatment by him and his brother. Was it this alleged diary? Now, it's no secret that the Kennedys and the mob were often tied together. In fact, the mob is frequently listed as being involved in both JFK and RFK's assassinations. You know it. You've listened to those episodes. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that in a conspiracy involving Kennedy and Monroe, that the mob are also somehow involved. In 1982, Robert F. Slatzer, who had published Monroe, a Monroe conspiracy book in 1975, uh, his private detective, Milo Spiriglio, published Marilyn Monroe cover-up, in which murder, uh, I'm sorry, Marilyn Monroe murder cover-up, in which he claimed that Monroe had been murdered by Jimmy Hoffa and mob boss Sam Giancana. Now, both of these wise guys were covered in full in our Jimmy Hoffa episode. A lot of uh, past episode tie-ins here, huh? Oh, yeah. This is bringing it all together. Yeah. Uh, Spiriglio built off of some of the earlier Monroe conspiracy works, but added statements from Lionel Grandison, who worked at the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office at the time of Monroe's death. Grandison claimed that Monroe's body had been extensively bruised, but this had been omitted from the autopsy report and that he had seen the red diary, but it had mysteriously disappeared. Spiriglio and Slatzer demanded that there be a reinvestigation into Monroe's death, and the L.A. District Attorney agreed to review the case again. The new investigation found absolutely nothing supporting the murder claims, and Grandison was not considered a reliable witness because he had been fired from the coroner's office for stealing from corpses. Which is kind of BS, right? I mean, it's not like those corpses are going to need that stuff. Right? Andy, 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 your moral compass is starting to sound like that of a self-centered Hollywood celebrity. <laughs> I Look, you can't take it with you. <laughs> Quit rooting around at morgues, Andy. They can't take it with them. It's BS. <laughs> just, that stuff's just going to waste. It's going to end up in an incinerator. It might as well be in my house. British journalist Anthony Summers, in his 1985 book, Goddess, The Secret Lives of Marilyn Monroe, claimed that Monroe's death was an accidental overdose enabled and covered up by RFK. Summers' book was actually one of the most commercially successful of all the Monroe conspiracy media. Now, Summers wrote that Monroe had severe substance abuse problems and was psychotic in the last months of her life. Like many others, he too claims that when RFK told Monroe he was going to end their relationship, that she threatened to go public with their sexual escapades. Kennedy and Peter Lawford attempted to prevent this by enabling Monroe's addictions. According to Summers, Monroe became hysterical and accidentally overdosed, dying in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. But Kennedy wanted to leave L.A. before Monroe's death became public to avoid association with it. Thus, they returned the body to her home in Brentwood, and the overdose was staged as a suicide. Summers based his theory on interviews conducted with over 650 people who were in some way connected to Monroe. 
These included testimonials from people like Jack Clemens. Now, all these theories have been pretty wild, but one from the 1990s took things in a more level-headed approach. In his 1993 biography of Monroe, Donald Spoto alleged that Monroe's death was an accidental overdose staged as a suicide. According to Spoto, Monroe's doctor Engelberg and psychiatrist Greenson had been trying to get her to quit her addiction to the barbiturate Nembatol. Thus, they agreed to never prescribe anything without consulting each other first. Monroe, however, was able to persuade Engelberg by lying to him that Greenson had agreed to break the arrangement. She took several Nembatols on August 4th, but did not tell Greenson that evening, who also prescribed her a chlorohydrate enema. The combination of these two drugs killed her. Greenson and Engelberg, afraid of the consequences, they, along with Murray, staged the death as a suicide. John W. Minor, former deputy district attorney of L.A. County who was present at Monroe's autopsy, previously claimed that Monroe's death was not a suicide, but death by enema. In the 2000s, his claims garnered more publicity. Minor claimed that he listened to tapes from Monroe's psychiatrist, Greenson, in which she discussed her future acting plans, goals, her sex life, and former lovers, and her use of enemas. Monroe also speaks about her love of Shakespeare and author James Joyce, showing her vast intelligence as opposed to her often portrayal as a ditzy blonde. Minor claims the transcripts he has of these tapes show that Monroe was not a suicidal person, that she was in good spirits. Minor did not speak about these tapes until well after Greenson died. He claims he was committed to the promise that Greenson made him swear by to hear the tapes. Greenson was totally committed to the privacy of his clients. Minor only revealed the information on these supposed tapes after asking Greenson's wife if he could talk about it. Matthew Smith later bought and published the transcripts as part of his book, Victim, The Secret Tapes of Marilyn Monroe, in 2003. He asserted that Monroe was murdered by the CIA due to her association with RFK as the agency wanted revenge for the Kennedys' handling of the Bay of Pigs invasion. Finally, actor Gianni Russo, who is probably most well-known for playing Carlo Rizzi in uh, The Godfather, claimed in his latest memoir, Hollywood Godfather, My Life in the Movies and the Mob, that Marilyn Monroe's death was orchestrated by Robert Kennedy to hide her involvement with John F. Kennedy. Russo also claims that he had an on-and-off affair with Monroe when he was just 16 and the actress was 33. As evidence, Russo has a photo of the two together at a resort on the California-Nevada border. And he claims the photo was taken by none other than crime boss Sam Giancana. Russo claims the mob were after Monroe to get to President John F. Kennedy. Their alleged plan was to film Monroe in a threesome with JFK and RFK and to use the tape to blackmail the president into invading Cuba and returning the island's casinos to organized criminals. But the president never showed up at the resort. So sorry, no threesome. (laughs) Damn. Russo claims Monroe learned of the plot and threatened to report the mob to the media. When Robert Kennedy heard of Monroe's plan, he plotted her death to stop her. According to Russo, quote, it had to be Bobby. No one else would kill her. The mob would not have done it. They liked her. She was that party girl. Give her a couple pills, a couple drinks, and she'll fuck anyone. End quote. He also claimed, quote, a guy known as the doctor, a killer for hire and an actual MD, 
He had done major hits for the mob, injected air into the vein near Maryland's pubic region. She died of an embolism, but it looked like drugs to the coroner. End quote. So what do skeptics have to say about the plot to kill Marilyn Monroe? Well, they say look no further than Monroe's mental state at the time of her death. Contrary to Minor and others' claims, Monroe was having a tough time. She was plagued by constant feelings of depression, loneliness, and inadequacy. She was also in and out of detox programs and depression treatment centers. Sexual abuse, abandonment, isolation, and a family history of mental health issues were all warning signals as well. Monroe had also attempted suicide on numerous occasions when she was younger, and even once during her marriage to Arthur Miller. Modern-day psychologists believe Monroe may have suffered from bipolar disorder given her extreme shifts in mood from manic to depressive. This, along with her insomnia and drug abuse, was a heavy risk factor for suicide. Another skeptical note is, even if the Kennedys wanted Monroe dead, why would they be in her room that night? Why even take that risk? These are two of the most powerful people in the country. Why would they commit murder themselves and jeopardize everything they earned? On top of all this, there are many inconsistencies and flat-out lies with many of the points made by the plethora of Monroe conspiracy writers over the years. For example, uh, Jack Clemens, the first police officer on the scene of the death of Monroe, is often used and overused as a key witness. And a lot of the stuff he said has been under heavy scrutiny as a flat-out lie. For example, Jack Clemens was the only police officer who reported that Eunice Murray was doing laundry, and he also uh, and he only reported that many years later. If he believed that this was a murder, why didn't he report it then instead of waiting for years? Also, if Marilyn soiled her sheets due to an enema, as some claim, it's reasonable that the mattress would also have been soiled in some capacity, right? Now, how did the conspirators deal with the soiled mattress? And what did Greenson, Engelberg, and Murray do with Marilyn's corpse while they changed the sheets? Wouldn't moving her corpse leave behind some other kind of evidence in a different part of the room? Then there's also the fact that Monroe could have easily just pulled apart the pill capsules and emptied the powder into a glass of liquid and ingested the barbiturates this way. This might explain why no pills were found in her stomach. Many of the authors of the Monroe conspiracy books over the years have based their claims entirely on anecdotes and not hard evidence. Some, such as Norman Mailer, author of the book Marilyn, a biography, in 1973, later recanted their conspiracy claims. In John Minor's case, some other authors have come out against his claims. First off, the tapes the, that Minor claims he listened to have never been found, and Minor remains the only person to claim they existed. Second, biographer Lois Banner knew Minor personally because they both worked at the University of Southern California. According to her, Minor had once lost his license to practice law for several years, lied to Banner about having worked for the Kinsey Institute, uh, which is a nonprofit research institute at Indiana University, and had gone bankrupt shortly before selling the alleged transcripts. Minor had first attempted to sell the transcripts to Vanity Fair, but when the magazine had asked him to show them to Anthony Summers in order to validate them, it became apparent that he didn't have them. The transcripts were eventually sold to British author Matthew Smith. Furthermore, Banner wrote that Minor had a personal obsession about enemas and practiced sadomasochism. She concluded that his theory about Monroe's death, uh, quote, represented his sexual interests, end quote, 
and was not based on evidence. Which makes sense to me, because I have a theory that Elvis Presley didn't die on the toilet, but was killed by hentai versions of the Property Brothers. You know, Andy, people keep grilling you for that, but I think your theory has something going for it, baby. I think I'm going to be proven right eventually. Time will tell. (laughs) You're going to see hentai versions of the Property Brothers killed Elvis. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of other hentai versions of HGTV, um, you know, characters and icons have uh, committed some other famous murders as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, Hentai Chip and Joanna Gaines were... uh, (laughs) We're, we're behind uh, Aaliyah's death. <laughs> oh, God. But what do you think, Bunk Funkers? Was Monroe's life cut short by the Kennedys? Did she know a little too much about that political dynasty or dynasty, rather, family? Or perhaps was it an accident covered up by a worried housekeeper and two of Monroe's trusted doctors? Well, one thing is for certain bunk funkers, and that's that we just injected you with a massive enema of the whole enchilada on the death of Marilyn Monroe. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, Bunk Funkers! This is Andy, and I'm here with my co-host, your co-host, Art. Uh, And we're coming at you today to let you know that we launched a Patreon. Uh, So if you have the means and you want to support the show, Come visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and consider becoming a subscriber. Get an extra podcast episode every month of our brand new show, Andy and Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. We're going to be covering uh, various urban legends and myths. We'll do TV and movie commentary tracks and reviews. We'll do pop culture conspiracies and much, much more. Becoming a subscriber will also get you access to our Discord channel where you can chat with me and Art and other bunk funkers from around the globe. You'll also get plenty of behind-the-scenes content and much, much more. So, please, help us support the show and keep the lights on in the bunker. Visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod and become a subscriber today. Welcome back, listeners. That was our research of the death of Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> As, it's the correct pronunciation of her name. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. What a- Hollywood, where the lights and the glitz and the glamour. Hollywood, where everyone puts on a smile. Hollywood, Andy. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Hollywood, baby. Boy, oh boy. You know, you know, you you sometimes forget about, you know, you see, you see a star like Marilyn Monroe and you, you, she's a star, baby. And you forget about the trappings of fame art. 
I mean, oh my God! It's if anything, you know this this story can teach us that you know the path to fame is is paved with with bad people who might wish to do you harm oh, yeah. in the future. I mean, it's crazy. It seems like Marilyn Monroe had so many enemies. I mean, enemies. <laughs> Jesus, Miner, lay off the fucking enemies. <laughs> Guys, like I don't know, I don't know, guys. Have we considered that maybe uh, this was administered anally? This person died uh, from an enema. You guys think? You know, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, it's true. I've heard uh, historians have told me this that uh, you know Julius Caesar not stabbed in the back, but stabbed in the (laughs) anus with an enema. Uh, (laughs) Brutus administered an enema that killed him. And here's the thing, you know, a lot of people remember the story of Jack the Ripper, notorious serial killer. Ran around, stabbing hookers, stabbing innocent people. Well, he was actually injecting them in the butt with enemas. Yeah, actually, uh, Ripper is a uh, an old British slang <laughs> for an enema. That's right. Not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people know but that. But it's true. Um, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. Sir, this is a Wendy's? <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, more yeah, known as the enema killer. <laughs> uh, they faked all that stuff about him eating people. He was just giving the young boys enemas. <laughs> well, what's my favorite Owen Wilson film? Behind enema lines. <laughs> it works on a lot of levels because it's like the behind, like you're anus uh enema like an enema <laughs> and lines like the tubes from the enema <laughs> but it's also like the enema goes behind your lines you know what i mean um yeah you're asking me what is my favorite jerry bruckheimer produced film starring will smith yeah that's enema of the state <laughs> there it is Anyway, I'll get a Dave's double with a Biggie Fry and a Frosty on the side. Uh, anyway, give me two C's in a law. <laughs> yeah, give me the left side of the menu and a Diet Coke. Uh, um, Cherry's Jubilee and that's it. <laughs> Can I just get a packet of salt? Just, just give me two salt packets and like the lid of a Frosty. Like, put it on a Frosty, then take it off and give it to me. Let me get a classic uh, Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Let me get a Frosty and a cup of chili. Can you guys blend that all up and inject it into my ass? (laughs) Just wondering. (laughs) Oh, you won't? I guess guess I'll go to Burger King where I can have it my way. (laughs) It's fine. I brought my own enemas. Just liquefy it, and I'll put it in my ass. (laughs) Guy's fucking obsessed. I love that. I love that. Like another journalist was like, "No, the guy's obsessed with enemas. <laughs> like, That's why he thinks it's enemas." I like that. I like that. Uh, she worked with him too, so it's almost like, like were they in like meetings at USC? And <laughs> he was like, "I don't know. Uh, you guys ever do enemas? Uh, is this an enema crowd? Enemas?" <laughs> Or it's like, hey, and welcome uh, to our newest our newest uh, faculty member here, uh, John Miner. Uh, John, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, um, so I've been in uh, 
you know, former uh, <laughs> district attorney for L.A., uh, uh, L.A. County. I uh, love enemas. Uh, been doing a lot of enemas lately. Anybody else here do enemas? Go ahead. Shout it out. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Uh, they, they're like, there's like two professors talking at the water cooler and he just walks up like, oh, man, I'd love to put my ass on that thing. Right. Just kind of flush out. <laughs> Flush it out, give myself a little enema. And they're just like, do you fucking work? Who are you? He's like, oh, I'm new here. John Minor. I love enemas. <laughs> I'm the enema guy. You've probably seen my- I'm the enema you've guy. you seen my billboards. Yeah. <laughs> it just says, All get around enema. LA. <laughs> the enema. Got enema? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's my ass with a white mustache. <laughs> You know, it's really, I mean, it's really, it's one of the top three things people don't realize, you know, you're supposed to floss, you know, flush out your sinuses, you know, you're supposed to flush out your ear canals, but you really got to flush out your ass too. <laughs> Daily enemas are really the best thing. And uh, what a lot of people don't know is you can absorb nutrients through there. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I take my coffee like an enema. Yeah. Uh, cream and sugar. <laughs> Do a little bulletproof. Coffee. <laughs> Shoot that up my ass. Oh my god. Um so yeah, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Fucking obsessed with enemas. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> He just can't get enough of them. He fucking, fucking salivating at the bit at this story. He's like, oh my god. Oh my god, there was an enema. She used to take drugs, enema. Enema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like i'm you know it leaves me confused like was she actually doing enemas or what i think she probably was i mean i, I don't know i've never had an enema but it doesn't i don't know if it's something that you can self-administer it seems like something maybe you and i don't i don't even know what the uh what's the apparatus for enemaing it seems like you would have to have something that is able to pump water so it would seem like you need some kind of pump and some sort of pumping device and obviously some sort of either tube or i assume you could do your own enema at home it's probably just like some plastic tubing and a little like squeeze ball thing <laughs> yeah let's look up uh dui diy i'm driving under the influence of enema if that's what you mean officer yeah i got it drunk from an enema um, today on this whole house, we're going to be restoring a uh, anima, a self-administered DIY anima. Um, hey, these things look like just like the uh, booger suckers. What? Yeah, no, oh, just like a little plastic bottle. Was it a lollipop a tip? Oh, like the sinus thing that I yeah. use. I got a sinus thing that's like that. So you're telling me I could put that up my ass and and fucking flush out my ass with an here's enema a, instead? Here's a guide with a handy infographic on how to use an enema safely. Remove cap wow. from the tip of the enema nozzle. Apply petroleum jelly to the anus to ease insertion. Lie on your side mm. with your knee bent, placing a towel under your knee for support. Gently insert the mm. tip of enema nozzle into the rectum. Squeeze enema container to empty all its contents into the rectum. Withdraw the nozzle and wait recommended time before evacuating bowels. 
Stay close to a toilet for 30 to 60 minutes after use. Call your doctor if you feel any pain. 30 to 60 minutes? I mean, that's fucking child's play for you. But, like, I mean, for someone like me, Andy, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, 30 to 60 minutes. That's just me getting... You're like, yeah, I hang out with my toilet for at least two <laughs> yeah, hours just a day. started 60 minutes in. <laughs> no, I've probably pulled... I don't think I've ever sat on a toilet for an hour, but I've probably pulled a good half hour on a tor- toilet. Oh, yeah, I do every day. You know, start reading an interesting article or really get into your solitaire game. Okay, so a doctor might tell you to do this to yourself just to clean out your butt before you get a colonoscopy. They, uh, I mean, yeah, they might. I know that they, uh, they make you drink that, that shitty liquid that (laughs) poor fucking flushes you out. Well, I mean, it's true. It's like this weird silvery liquid. I've never had one, but I know people who have. Um, that silvery liquid in it like flushes you out. Yeah. So I think that maybe they've uh, they've uh, moved past the uh, self enema. But it seems like I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I obviously this might come as a surprise. I never met Marilyn Monroe, and I didn't know her, <laughs> and. I mean, is she above administering drugs anally through an enema? I don't think so. Am I as assessed with it as this minor guy is? No. (laughs) Yeah. I will say this, though, to your earlier point. I mean, Hollywood and becoming an actor in general really is... um, I mean, it, it, it is. It's insanity. And it's true, like... I don't know how to describe it other than like you have to just kind of be the most self-absorbed person ever and then get like a lucky break. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not it it's so superficial and this might seem like obvious, but I mean, even back then, because, you know, y- y- if you go for this research on this episode, you know, I was like looking up some old clips of uh, old Marilyn Monroe and it's like god all the comments are just all these fucking simps <laughs> just being like oh, she was so beautiful she was gorgeous she was so talented what a fucking oh my god what a what an absolute angel her voice they don't make them like they used to like fucking cringy shit like that like can you imagine <laughs> simping for someone who's been dead for 60 years <laughs> Jesus. I mean, we don't know what kind of simps these are. These these could also be like older boomers. boomers who are like, yeah, this is how a woman should have been. <laughs> Back in my day, every woman looked like this. <laughs> yeah. Except my um, wife. Oh. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it, but, 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 it, you know, just kind of goes to show. It's like all these people are like, oh my God, she was so good. But it's like, dude, she was. They were all fucked up. I mean, they all, all of them. It was like Humphrey Bogart was like 24 years old. He looked like he was like 65. (laughs) Yeah. And he had a voice like this. He didn't, but you know what I mean. It's me, Humphrey Bogart. Play play it again, Sam. Of all the gin joints in all the places in all the world, she comes into mine. (laughs) Ingrid, I'm going to smash you tonight <laughs> at the Morocco Casablanca Silverdome. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's macho man Humphrey yeah. Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, Here's to you, kid. <laughs> Here's looking at you, kid. That's what the quote is. Here's looking at you, kid. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, to to bring this back to us, who are really the important pieces of the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we've done we've done some uh we've done some we've done like you know obviously improv stuff but yeah um i did i've i've only ever auditioned for two things in my life mm-hmm. and i booked i booked both um the first one was i auditioned for an industrial which for those of you not in the biz was a um is a uh, like a internal commercial that they make for just the company. So industrials can be anything like uh, from employee training videos. Like when you get hired by a company and you watch like one of those old school HR training videos to like the video that plays on the screens at a, at a, uh, at a store location as like stock footage for the company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This was for a unnamed, uh, very large, uh, cable company let's say. And um, I mean, uh, you know, this just shows you how like actors can be some of the most, they're just some of the craziest people because I worked, I had to, I had to audition like three different times. And then I worked for 12 hours that day. It was a 12 hour shoot and I got paid a (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars. Yeah. Isn't that fucking nuts? I mean, it was a lot of like sitting around all day. And it was an MOS commercial. I didn't get any lines. Right. Um, MOS means you know, and alt sound. That's no right. Sound. Good. Thank you, Andy, for for clearing that. There's no sound, so it's all just footage, and they'll probably play music. And it's just like, I mean, even being there, like, man, it's just like actors are so. They're just kind of like there was this one person who was there who was like. Because you're just sitting, like you're sitting for so many hours, just fucking waiting for them to get set up so that you can sit there and look excited for ten seconds. Right. <laughs> um. This one person was like, "Oh yeah," like we were kind of talking about it, and the person was like, "Well, I have some lines, I, you know, I have like three lines on this commercial," and I was like, "Uh, I I, I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be like the well actually guy, but I kind of wanted to be like." Well, this is an MOS commercial. Nobody has lines. I promise you. Because it said MOS everywhere. It said, like, there's no... Nobody has lines. There's no microphones. This person... Yeah, there's no sound guy anywhere. Like, there's no... No one's picking up your audio. So this this poor person, like, went up to the director and was like, well, when am I going to get to say my lines? And you could just see on the director's face, like, oh, God. Oh, no. Like, like... It's like this was the lowest of the low things that you could book ever yeah. of all time. This is an industrial commercial. They're paying me a hundred dollars because we're all non-union right. and we don't get to make any. They can just pay you fucking. I don't even know what that is an hour. Like what's a hundred divided by twelve? Uh, it's like what one? It's got to be less than ten. Ten an hour. Yeah. So. This could not be any lower of a fucking job, you know, for everybody involved. And this poor person was just like, you could just kind of see the uh, the reality set in of this um, 
stupid fucking industry. You made $8.34 an hour. <laughs> yeah. I spent that whole paycheck on the Uber ride to the <laughs> shooting location and then uh, home. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking twelve hours. I, at least I got. At least I got to eat the most mediocre fucking like taco dinner I've ever had in my life. There you go. Mm-hmm. See, fringe benefits. I got. I got one. I got one meal for breakfast. They just brought bagels, Ugh. and then we got lunch at around like. Lunch had to be served at literally like. Three or four, maybe even later, and we started at like seven or eight, and I was there till like. Seven or eight, right? It fucking sucked. But I mean, that's that's the industry. That is the glitz and the glamour. That is what it is. That is you're fucking fighting for every single one of these tiny, stupid little gigs. And it, I say that story one because I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. But two, it's like, uh, it's it just kind of goes to show what that industry can do to people. It really. It is really like, I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's like, it just chews people up and spits them out. Yeah. It's, it's tough. You know? I mean, you got to go through a lot of crap like that to get anything that's like really worthwhile. Yeah. And I mean, Marilyn Monroe was obviously a very beautiful, attractive and talented performer. Right. And, um, but I mean, she still had to fucking grind and scrape by and you know, probably had to do a few less desirable things, as we mentioned in the research. Yeah. Um, to get parts. And, I mean, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> the fucking movie industry is fucking disgusting. Yeah. I mean, we've got the Weinstein shit. You've got fucking, I mean, Kevin Spacey, all the other um, different things that have come out. I mean, over the years, I mean, it's just, you know, it's fucking gross. Yeah. I mean... So many it's people have industry. like felt like they had to do stuff like that or have been literally told that they have to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gross. But it just kind of goes to show you kind of puts it in a little bit of a perspective of like what probably was going on in Marilyn Monroe's head. Again, with all the stuff of her childhood, which was horrible. Yeah, terrible childhood. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, you know. It, and it's just crazy. And it's like on the outside... Again, all these simps, all they see is, you know, what you see in the film and the movie. But there's so much, there's so much time. That little scene in the movie where she looks gorgeous, she looks perfect. Yeah. She's on the Jack Benny show and it's, you know how she talks like this and she's always so, oh, her sultry, airy voice. You know, it's like everything is just so perfect. Right. But I mean, that is, that is 30 seconds of an eight hour day where, you know, riddled with, uh, I mean, self doubt and loneliness. And I, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's everything in all these in shows like Bojack Horseman and other shows, you know, but anyway, I'm rambling. Andy, what are your thoughts about, uh, some of the things with Marilyn Monroe? Well, I mean, you know, you kind of Marilyn Monroe kind of did a good job of, uh, saying it, uh, you know, it's like, she's, she comes from a, from a tough background, you know, like it, that oh, very yeah. difficult childhood. And it's, it's, you know, the life of an actor, like you said, is, is a strange one to begin with. And it's like, that's a weird, I mean, I think that, I think people with, you know, strange backgrounds are sometimes attracted to it because it is like, it's almost like an alternative lifestyle in a way, you know, it's not like, it, yeah, most people is. don't live like that. And no, 
I mean, it's like, it, 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 it just it feels like a recipe for a disaster eventually, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you're just thinking about yourself. Yeah. All day, every day, everything is about you. And you know, you, and, you have to know that like yeah. all your success is so fragile. Like she had to know oh that my it's God. like, it's, everything is so based on how she looks and all of that. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it would drive anybody crazy. Cause you know, it's like, uh, uh, you, you lose that. And then it's like, I mean, this is a time when older women weren't even like in films right like right 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 like and she, she's you know cresting 35 you know it's like her career was probably close to over yeah like which is crazy and, uh, but yeah true i mean it's it i i will say this to anybody who is you know thinking about getting into on-camera acting and that it's i mean it literally is your appearance and it's part of the reason why I kind of stopped doing it was because I just like it one. I just, it was like, I'm tired. I don't want to fucking audition for people. I want to make my own shit. But two, um, these on camera classes. I mean, one of the first things you do in on camera acting, at least for me, what we did was they like the very first day, the first exercise is they put you up in front of the whole class. All these strangers you don't know, you've never met in your life. They turned the fucking camera on and then they like in my class, they had this little device or they had a hookup where there was a TV and you could like monitor your, you could see yourself on the camera, what you looked like. And the first exercise they do is to have everyone in the class, like write down observations on what you look like and what kind of roles you could play. (laughs) And it's like, that's literally the first thing you do is like, let's break down what you fucking look like and put you into boxes and categories. And it's like, that's the life you're preparing yourself for. Like all these fucking Hollywood execs who don't know shit about like the creative process, just being like, Hey, this guy, he looks like a fucking uh, computer nerd. You'll play computer nerd. You're computer nerd boy. Yeah. You're computer nerd boy. Right. Um, I mean, that's why I love things like, you know, YouTube and the internet and the, the ability to create for yourself because you don't have to be pigeonholed into that kind of stuff. Yeah. You don't have to like audition for stuff where you meet the type. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to constantly play hogged out mega hunk Chad, you know, leading man um, with the body of Chris Hemsworth in, when he was in, playing Thor uh, versus, you know, also the cool aloofness of people like, uh, Ryan Gosling and George Clooney. I mean, I'm sick of playing that. Yeah. All the fucking time. I mean, all these people in the class were like, oh my God, this guy is like a uh young Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I feel the same thing. I mean, I all of my credited acting roles are the exact same credit. Loud man at the DMV. <laughs> and I'm tired of being pigeonholed. Yeah. Is the loud, yeah. slovenly man at the DMV <laughs> guy at buffet complaining? I mean, that is that is a classic from you. Yeah, that was a good role. Uh, yeah. So were the roles at that buffet. Um, Heyo, butumch. Fast food order number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got top billing from yeah, that one. I was number one. I mean, that, that way. Um. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a fucking, it's a rough, I mean, it's a rough industry just 
harbored on your fucking looks. I mean, it's just, it's like, and they just, they flat out fucking tell you it's like 80%. It's the way you fucking look. Right. And the teachers will fucking tell you, or at least they told me in my classes that like producers, casting directors will not fucking hire you based on like personal vendettas. So if I go into an audition and I remind the casting director of a person right. that they don't like, yeah. they just won't fucking hire you. Right. And it's like, that's, you have to fucking sweet talk everybody. Like they, that's another thing they talk about in the class is like, make sure you send like fucking thank you notes and like, you know, just be like, God, you have to be this like fake, uh, you know, like social media person. And I can only imagine how much more amplified that would have been in the 50s and 60s when, one, film was still, you know, TV was just fucking being kind of imagined. Right. Film was sort of uh, getting its kind of footings. Nobody could be weird and avant-garde and over the top. I mean, you know, just the fact that Marilyn Monroe was hooking up with the fucking president and his brother and having... Horny hot fucking threesomes, right. <laughs> super sexy threesomes, would have been, uh, I mean, a major, a massive scandal because, I mean, well, okay, maybe that's a bad example, but if you learn that, like, like I don't know, if, I guess this is still tabloid news, if, like, so-and-so hooks up with so-and-so, and it's like, oh, my God, are they dating or are they not? But, like, I don't know, would you get canceled because of that? No. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. It was a different time, Maybe not. too. It was, yeah. Because I think if we know anything, it's that, like, both Kennedys were having lots of affairs. Was our Robert having affairs? Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah. He was a naughty little yeah, boy. His wife knew. Uh, she knew, but... See, because he, he was always the, like, strict Catholic boy. Yeah. She... She knew, but she didn't say anything because she wanted to, like, she didn't, you know, it's like, it's that thing of, like, you keep the family together, you know, like, right. oh, it's, I mean, I I feel like that's more of a, like, 1960s ethos of, like, the marriage where it's like, you just, you know, that's his husbands cheat. That's what they do. They have affairs. Right, right, right. But he comes home to me every night and fills me with his seed and I keep producing children. Jesus Christ. I had like eight children and he got assassinated before he was even old. The fucking Kennedys. I mean, so, well, that's a good segue here. Let's, <laughs> let's actually talk about the, let's actually talk about where babies come from. I still don't know. <laughs> they come from outer space. That's why they look so weird. Stork. It's true. Well, where are you with this one, Andy? I mean, I guess the big one is really the Kennedys because, uh, you know, the mob would never kill Marilyn Monroe, apparently. Because she'll to fuck them all. Gianni Russo. Where, I mean, where are you with the Kennedys' involvement in this? I mean, there's some fishy stuff with this one, right? Yeah. I know you're very Mr. Occam's Razor. Yeah, it feels a little far-fetched to me, right? Like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to buy that, you know, it kind of feels sort of accepted that RFK was in L.A. the day that Marilyn Monroe died yeah it seems almost accepted that he was at her house at some point on that day but hmm. like i don't know i mean i i gotta agree with the people who are like 
Bobby Kennedy like went in with a couple of guys and like actually oversaw her murder. Like, I don't know about that. Or that Bobby Kennedy would even get to that point where he'd murder Marilyn Monroe. You know? Like, I don't know. I'm not buying it. Yeah. I could I could kind of see them exacerbating her drug addiction as a way to get rid of her because I do think that she was a loose end and a risk to them and their careers. Sure. Obviously, she had a lot of intel. This diary could have been real, could have not been real. But regardless, Marilyn new stuff. I mean, she fucking hooked up with both of them. Yeah. I'm not buying the diaries so much either. Not really into the diary thing. Yeah, you're not into that. Yeah, because it's kind of, I don't know. A lot of this feels like some guys are going, oh, shit, it's diary. And they're like, oh, where is it? Well, I don't know. got fucking lost. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, well, then how do you know about it? Like, how do you, it's not, doesn't exist. Like, oh, I read it and I wrote everything down from it, but ah, it's gone. It's very, uh, it's very Book of Mormon to me. No offense to our Mormon <laughs> listeners out there, but I mean, it's very Book of Mormon to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I found these tablets. Yeah, I wrote them down. Where are they? Oh, I lost God. them. <laughs> God God told me everything. I didn't need them anymore. They disappeared. Mm. Like to me. Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, Marilyn Monroe's. entirely <laughs> in your kitchen. Marilyn Monroe's Red Diary. At this point in the investigation... Entirely within the morgue. May I see it? No, we lost it. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, I guess. Ah, um, ah, Marilyn Monroe. You're in for a uh, unforgettable fucking. Hi, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. It is a... Uh, me er uh, President Kennedy, and here is my er uh, first penis. <laughs> Let's call it Air Force Er One, and your vagina. <laughs> oh my God! Will be er er Andrews Air Force Base. Thank you. Mr. President, these pills seem a lot like enemas. Oh, uh, they're, uh, did I uh, say uh, uh, enemas? Mm-hmm. I meant, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to fucking make it work, but it's so difficult. <laughs> I've never. It's so difficult off the cuff. Oh, I've taken pills all the time. Er, uh, these go up your, er, uh, butt. <laughs> Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anybody <laughs> refer to them as that. Oh, or uh, no, it's this a hyenas expression. Uh, <laughs> it's an Albany expression. <laughs> I thought you said we were <laughs> ingesting barbiturates. Oh, no. <laughs> I said you were anally injecting barbiturates. <laughs> <laughs> this is steamed hams, but done in the style of 
Marilyn Monroe and John F. Kennedy's affair. Mm, sex a- affair. Mm, anally injecting barbiturates. <laughs> I thought you said you were coming for a booty call. <laughs> no, I said Nembatol in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, I say, Mr. President, you do make a fine enema. You may be an odd fellow, but you do you do inject a fine enema. <laughs> I've tried to decide who should be Mother Skinner. Is it the housekeeper? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Eunice. <laughs> But, but John F. Kennedy lives in the there's house. There's an enema in your ass. <laughs> or, uh, no, Eunice, that is uh, just a uh, dirty sheet. This <laughs> 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 is so, so stupid. stupid. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> Well, basically, that encapsulates my feelings on this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> President John F. Kennedy with his crazy explanations. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe's gonna need her medication. When he hears Skinner's lame... Exa- or, fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> lame exaggerations. There'll be animas in town tonight. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Oh goodness gracious. Um Yeah, I mean I can't help but think that that Kennedy's in some way wanted Monroe gone. I think that she was probably a liability to them. Um so I could see them maybe like kind of up it or I don't know, doing something with like yeah, listen, we got to, you know, uh, this air uh, broad. We got to uh, take care of her, you know, uh, in some capacity. And um, uh, I don't know. I, I uh, Why risk it, though? I, I think more about the, uh, I, I think more about the, the three, the main three, right? You got Murray, you got Greenson, the psychiatrist, Murray, the housekeeper, and... Um, Engelberg, the doctor. Yeah. Something fishy is going on there with me. The changing of the story, whether that's official or not, I don't know. The whole, I woke up at 3.30 because I felt something off and I went to go check on Marilyn kind of thing. I don't know. I'm not sure if I buy that. I mean, to me... I'm kind of feeling a little bit about what, uh, what Soto... Spato? Um, Spoto? Yeah, right. Soto? That one of those dudes. He basically said that they had that agreement, right? That they weren't going to prescribe shit without telling each other. Monroe kind of lied her way out of it. And then, you know, they ended up prescribing some stuff they shouldn't have. And they kind of covered it up to save their own ass, right? Yeah. I think that's way more believable. That's pretty fucking believable. And like that they kind of fucked around with the crime scene. 
Because here's the thing, right? She doesn't have pills in her stomach. So I'm thinking that either, yeah, she did some kind of enema, had the housekeeper help her maybe insert an enema, uh, which, so that brings in the housekeeper. Now the housekeeper's like, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I'm liable for this now, not just the doctors, which I don't even, I guess, I don't know if doctors do get in trouble if they prescribe things that they shouldn't. Like, I don't know. I don't know if doctors would get in trouble for that. Like, yeah, that's if a Monroe good... lied. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know that you can get in trouble for it unless it's negligent. Like, I guess that would be the right. thing they're probably worried about is like, were they being negligent in what they prescribed her? Otherwise, I think it's probably like, or unless, I mean, I guess you could maybe say it's malpractice. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of think like a drug interaction, like, you know, you kind of expect your doctor to like sort through that. But if one doctor doesn't know what the other doctor prescribed, who knows? Right. Right. Although I got to say, like they found such high levels, like does that, that doesn't really explain just a bad drug reaction. Right. Unless she just had like a really high level from just constantly taking Nimbitol all the time. Yeah, I mean, she had been abusing the drug for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so I have to imagine that she would have a pretty strong fucking tolerance. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then that maybe it's just was, I don't know, I guess not really knowing her limits or, I don't know. You know, we've talked about mental health before. We've talked about how people who, uh, you know, I forget what episode it was, but, you know, that people always... I think it might have been Kurt Cobain. Yeah. That people, <clears throat> it was definitely Kurt Cobain, that that people will say like, well, see, Kurt, Kurt was a happy-go-lucky fella, and therefore he would never kill himself. You know, it's kind of like, you can never really know. And, and I think someone like Marilyn Monroe was even more, had an even more tumultuous and fucking whirlwind of a life without a uh, crazy, uh, you know, wife that was might have also been plotting you know yeah but uh i don't know I, you know M- marilyn had had attempted suicide multiple times yeah. in her life already been in and out of detox and depression and treatment centers and and this was a time when probably these sort of things were maybe not the care for these sort of things was not as good as it was in, in later times right i have to imagine <clears throat> yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know i don't think that 1960 whatever one is like some barbaric era but i don't think that mental health was as uh well understood uh, well understood thank you as it is today for sure yeah yeah i agree with so that. and especially like with hollywood they probably the execs would probably be like ah oh, just just take a pop a couple of these darling and you'll be right as rain and get back to filming my movie picture and making me lots of money. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I tend to be more on the side of like, I usually would believe that somebody could commit suicide. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like with Kurt Cobain, you're, you're right. It's the same thing where some people were like, well, there's no way, there's no way Kurt Cobain would have committed suicide. And it's like, I don't know that I believe that in almost any 
instance that there's no way a person would have like committed suicide. There's some probably that are way more shocking than others, you know, but I think right. everybody's got the potential to feel that way, even if it's briefly and do something that, you know, harms themselves. I don't think that that's outside the bounds for anybody really. Right. I mean, I think maybe probably what's a little weird about it is that Monroe had a seemingly pretty average day, whereas you kind of think that like somebody who's about to, who's knowingly going to commit suicide might not, but I don't know. No, I don't know. She, you know, if we, uh, if we believe Peter, I mean, she talked to her therapist. Yeah. She talked to her therapist for like two hours. Yeah. You know, you would think that, I don't know, I guess if he's a good therapist, maybe he could catch something, but I think he did though, didn't he? He told the housekeeper to stay. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's like, who knows? Like maybe, maybe that's normal for their like sessions, you know? And like, maybe they've had, they had sessions like that before and nothing happened, but it concerns him a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you just never know, right? You never know when someone's going to, like, take that action. Yeah. Especially if somebody attempted it before. You know, like, maybe you don't, maybe when you attempt it again, like, you don't, you don't make a big show of it, right? Like, because it's like, oh, this happened, I did this. The boy who cried wolf. Right, I did this before and it, you know, I'm still here, so who knows what will happen this time, right? Right. Yeah, it's a tough one because, yeah, you're right. Peter Lawford talked to her and tried to get her to come to his party. And, uh, it's kind of a weird she, thing uh, to say, right? Like, say goodbye to these people for me or whatever. That's, that's, a, that's very much like that's a classic sign, right? The, the person who is, calm but giving away all of their possessions and they're saying things like I'm not going to need these anymore right. um, that is a classic like signal red flag yeah but then you know I can see where you know too if you like know somebody who's addicted to drugs where it's like mm. them saying something like that maybe doesn't set off your alarms real strongly True, 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 yeah. Or who knows, like, maybe maybe that's why Lawford and RFK show up later. It's like a wellness check type of thing. And it's like, oh, she's she's on drugs again. But, they don't, but, you know, they don't, like, know anything's, like, amiss because she's always on drugs. So it's like, oh, geez, right. like, she's on drugs again. So that's the kind of the timeline you're putting together is that... She has the call with Lawford around. I don't eight something. These timelines are so hard. I think in this one for me, like I don't, I'm having a really hard time like wrapping my mind around what actually happened in in time. I am too. It's I don't very hard. Know. I, I'll admit it. Like I'm having, I'm struggling. But this is the timeline you're putting together. This is your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, is this that, is my, uh, my official timeline. Look for my book coming. Is out that around eight? Yeah, you're gonna put out another fucking Monroe conspiracy yeah. book. All enemas. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe 
Hollywood's enema queen. (laughs) Marilyn never actually died. She just fucking faked her death so she could escape the enema island (laughs) where she could have enemas all day long and she married an enema and they had beautiful human, half human, half enema children. And now when people ship castaways whose ships have been destroyed at sea wash up ashore on enema island, they're promptly given enemas. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) They just get enemas. This... <laughs> that reminds me of that time I went to Hawaii and they enemaed a fucking flower wreath up my ass. <laughs> yeah, you got laid, dude. I got laid. That's what they call it on Enema Island because to Marilyn Monroe and that enema's offspring, giving an enema <laughs> is sex. That's how That's they right. procreate. <clears throat> Your timeline is this is that around eight, Lawford <clears throat> called, Monroe said that thing like say goodbye to everybody and kind of drifted off. Then you're saying that Lawford and RFK <laughs> got together. RFK landed on his helicopter on the fucking badass helicopter on the helicopter pad. And they got off the helicopter and they fucking went into the limo. They drove. You know, possibly got stopped by the police. Possibly didn't. Went to the home in Brentwood. Checked on her. Or had the fucking... Housekeeper check on her. Housekeeper says she's fine. They leave. And then what? 3.30 a.m.? You know, I kind of got a... I kind of of have to believe some of these other, like, testimonies, right? That people say that, you know, they knew before that she was dead. Like, that people Mm -hmm. were getting phone calls. From her attorney. Right? Like, I don't know. Something about it just makes me feel like, I bet it was earlier and somebody knew. So you think there's something going on here? I think there's something going on here. Okay. You know, it's like... You're going to give them something to talk about. Yeah. I'm I'm going to Bonnie rate this and uh, I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to... Let's give them something to talk about. I don't know how about. I'm going to rate it, but... I'm going to Bonnie rate it. Uh, I just want to mention that longtime uh, Bonnie Raitt drummer, uh, Ricky Fatar, uh, former Beach Boys member. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, okay. Um, Shout out to Ricky Guitar. Fatar. Fatar. <laughs> Ricky Guitar. <laughs> An apropos yeah, name for yeah, someone in a, a band. Yeah, for a drummer. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's... There's something going on here, right? I I definitely think so. Um, but it might it might be like what I'm what I was like struck by at first is like I think this is like a mundane conspiracy though, right? Like huh. where people are kind of misspeaking and like making like weird accusations about stuff and a lot of the conspiracy stuff is kind of like based on just people saying things and not any real evidence. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. But it might just be like a like a mundane conspiracy, like oh, like you said that the doctors realized that oh shit we like mixed up her medication, and so they're trying to kind of like save yeah. themselves from some extra like scrutiny or or possible repercussions for this. Uh huh. 
Huh. But you don't think that RFK is involved in any way? Uh, I don't really feel... I, look, I don't really feel like the Kennedys or the Mafia are, like, involved in her death. You know what I mean? Okay. But maybe they're tangentially involved? Like, maybe that they were... Like, maybe they were there before, but I don't think that they had anything to do with it, necessarily. Do you think that they made that anyone at any time staged it to look more like a suicide than it was? Yeah, I'd say maybe. I mean, if anybody did it, though, I think it's kind of maybe the housekeeper, right? Yeah, the three. Right. Like, that's how I feel. Like, I don't... I don't know. I mean, it's like, according to the story, like, Bobby's in L.A. in, like, the early afternoon. So maybe it doesn't make sense that it's, like, after Peter Lawford calls at, like, whatever that was, 7.30 or 8 or whenever. Maybe it doesn't make sense, my timeline. But these timelines are so confusing. And what's yeah. the truth? I don't know what the truth is here. Everybody's got some story. Well, Andy, we, we got to give them the truth. We got to give them something. We got to... We gotta give him something to talk about. Open up the scab and drink the delicious nectar inside. Ugh. We gotta take an enema. Of, uh, we gotta give. We gotta give these verdicts via yeah. enema. <laughs> these enemas are coming to all the bone fungers, flushing your anus, Just hot, hot yeah. and fast. Hot and fast. I mean, is this confusing um, to you too? This one. I don't know what to believe with this one. Yeah, I'm not right. as confused by it. I don't know. I, I'm not as confused I don't know. by I f- it. Because I definitely think something happened. I just, I'm kind of wondering what. I feel very confused and I agree with you. I don't know what to believe because it feels like so much of the stuff after, like nobody in the moment seems like questioning and it's all like, oh, everything afterward. It's like people are like, oh yeah, no, there was something fishy going on. And it's like some of the stories don't make, line up exactly, but I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it all. Mm. I feel like I'm swimming in a pool of jello. Wow. That sounds fun. Yeah, delicious too. <laughs> it sounds like you've taken some improv classes. <laughs> um Well, they don't call me horse collagen for nothing. <laughs> um well, Andy, we got to get the verdict. Oh, God. So, do you want to tee off first or you want to fucking. I want you to go first. All righty. Because um, I got to think more. I've had so you much know, time. You know, here's about the it, thing. And yet here I am. Yet here you such are. Fuck. Um, God. You're such a. F- go fucking take it. Go, dude. Go fucking chill out. I take an, an enema. enema. <laughs> take, a, it's been, take a quick it's enema. It's been like 15 minutes since my last enema. I need one bad. <laughs> I'm literally I've I've limited myself to two enemas a day one in the morning and then one around like 2 p.m. to help with that after lunch crash yeah you gotta floss when you first get a floss you gotta give yourself an enema when you first get up get all that crap that builds up in your colon overnight out <laughs> oh my god oh Jesus um you know, I mean, I got to say that I think in this case, you know, obviously I think there's something fishy going on. Like I said, 
I think that there's something weird with the way that they change their story in some way. Um, that these three would all kind of call each other too. Like that was the first sort of thing they did was kind of all call each other and kind of try and figure some stuff out, which, you know, that might not seem weird, I guess, to maybe some other folks, but I don't know. Um, it might be a little weird that they just were like, oh, I got to call the therapist. It's like, well, I don't know. Why wouldn't you just immediately call 911 and be like, oh my God, I think something bad happened. Sorry. Like, yeah, you know, and if nothing bad happened, then nothing bad happened. Um, I mean, if you're sitting there knocking on her door and she's not getting up and, you know, you're worried about her. And the first thing you do is like try to call her doctor or her fucking therapist. It's kind of like, well, all right. But I don't know. Maybe that makes sense to some people, but. Huh. I don't know. Part of that, I mean, not to like sway you. It's like, I think celebrities in a lot of ways value their privacy. So I don't know. I could see the, like the housekeeper, uh, Eunice being like, Oh no, I, I'm not going to go right to authorities. Cause if, cause if she wakes up from this and I called the authorities, like she'll be pissed at me. Uh, and you know, maybe the, you know, it's like the psychiatrist was just there. Just talked to her. Obviously true. Very involved in her like care day to day. So I don't know. It seems like a reasonable phone call. If you're like, I mean, he's a doctor, right? They call the cops and then they find drugs there. It's like, right. Then you, then you start a whole thing. So I get, I get, I could see where she's coming from. I guess. Okay. Yeah. You make a good point, but I will say this. I think that it is, um, I think it's plausible plus that there is some kind of cover up going on by the three of these people, um, either due to negligence or something else. Um, you know, I don't lean as far into the nefariousness of it all because I guess if the Kennedys kind of wanted her dead, you know, and we have Peter Lawford, who's a brother-in-law of the Kennedy family, essentially making him part of the family. You know, he's tied to that family. He's going to be in on some of the secrets, right? Like he was good friends with JFK. He was good friends with Bobby too. And right. Um, you know, and he's, he's making calls to go check in on Marilyn. It's kind of like, well, why would he do that if they all wanted her dead? Right? Like, why wouldn't he just be like, good, good. She's dying. (laughs) It's me, Peter Lawford. (laughs) My nefarious plan has come to fruition. (laughs) (laughs) And then go live his life as an evil CEO of a pirate (laughs) ship. As he was wont to do. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'll also say this. I think highly plausible for just regular suicide, either accidental or otherwise. Um, I'm not ruling out that this was maybe an accident. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously Marilyn had a history with drugs and maybe she, I don't know, overstepped her limit. Maybe she took the enema and did the uh, Nembutal not kind of realizing that maybe she shouldn't do both at the same time. Yeah. But I will say that uh, definitely plausible plus for cover up by um, Greenson Engelberg and uh, 
Murray due to some kind of negligence, either, you know, prescription or otherwise. Um, Kennedy's... Uh, uh, you know, the fact that if they're involved in it in some capacity, I'm going to say plausible minus and a half. Uh, maybe plausible minus. Okay. Yeah, I'll bump it up. Plausible minus that they're involved. Um, I think that obviously, yeah, Marilyn was a, I mean, you know, we've covered the Kennedys. They're shady. There's some shady business going on with that family and the things that they did to rise in political power. That's not a fucking crazy thing to say. Um, there were obvious kind of mob connections that you can find when looking into how Kennedy won the election. And there was just shady shit in general. I mean, we covered it with his assassination. You know, he had enemies. Obviously, someone fucking killed right. him. So, <laughs> uh, you know, these guys are having affairs. They know that they got to cover up their tracks in some capacity. This isn't some, you know, DC hooker or something that they can just not worry about. This is fucking Marilyn Monroe. And maybe they kind of didn't realize it. I can totally see Marilyn being like, I'm going to come public with this fucking shit unless you guys start, you know, being honest with me. And um, I can kind of see them scrambling. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy. I'm only at plausible minus. Maybe I'm bumping up to plausible. Just kind of right in the middle. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Just plausible. This is getting bitter all the time. Yeah, maybe just plausible that the Kennedys were involved in some capacity. Because I can see it, man. I think it's plausible that... You know, they would be like, oh, shit, we got to fucking get rid of Maryland. Like, this is not going well. She knows a little bit too much. Um, That's what I'm going to say. That's my wow. verdict. Wow. It's your turn, Andy. And what a verdict it was. I mean, well said, Art. Um, You're up to bat. To yeah, let you. me uh, let me poke some holes in there and tell you why you're fucking wrong about everything you just said. <laughs> um, all right. So let me let me start off where you ended. Uh, with the Kennedys. Um, I hear you. I get what you're saying. Uh, I think that your verdict makes sense. But at the same time, I'm just not convinced. Um, I don't know. It's like, I think it's a good point to say like, oh, well, they, you know, maybe to maybe to the Kennedys, Marilyn Monroe seems like a liability, like a loose cannon a little bit. Like, you know, somebody who got real close to them and they don't think they can trust to keep everything quiet that they might have mm-hmm. talked about um, or just to keep the fact that they're having affairs with her quiet, which probably would have been damaging to their reputation in, in some ways. You know, it's like politically running as like good family men when it's like, oh, I'll like off, you know, right. when they're not hugging their wives and being with their children, they're banging movie stars. Um you know, uh, like you said, they did have enemies, clearly. Uh, they made some some friends. I mean, some some bad, some some enemies. They made some enemies. Okay, whatever. Uh, they made enemies. Uh, they made enemas. Um, they made enemas. They made enemies. They made enemas out of their Kennedy enemies. Kennedy Enema Manufacturing uh, was doing a great business at the time. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's like, I just, it's like the mob... The mob is obviously like anti-Kennedy, um, as we already know, um, and 
I don't know. It feels even more a stretch to say the mob was involved because that seems even more tenuous to me. And I just don't think that they would risk like, like, okay, Marilyn Monroe is like a big celebrity, right? Like, you know, if they, like, if they're going to murder, it has to be like, you got to be sure it's going to go right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, I think it's too much risk. It's like the risk of them being exposed as adulterers is probably more, more, they could stomach that more easily than the risk of being exposed as murderers or even hiring murderers. So I'm, I'm just not convinced. I'm like plausible minus minus on the Kennedys. Okay. Uh, The mafia, I'm like plausible smidge. Like I'm down okay. further on that. Um, sure. All right. So, like conspiracy wise, like does does Greenson and the doctor and uh, and uh, the housekeeper um, have have something to do with it? Yeah. Like I'm kind of maybe at like like plausible plus and a half. Right. Wow. Like. I I mean like I don't know that it's like so bad, but it's like the the revised timeline, the the delay, the like length of time that passes. Like I just kind of feel like there's something going on, and even if it's look, I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's even something like really really boring. Like oh, they just didn't want, you know, they didn't want her to be embarrassed or something. You know, like protecting her like yeah. reputation, but like to me, still, that's like there's there's a, that's a conspiracy, right? Like even if it's really boring like that, that it's like oh, they just didn't want her to be like seen covered in vomit or like with her stool in the bed, and so they like moved some of this stuff around so people didn't know that she was just constantly taking enemas. Uh, all day, every day. Yeah, or like some asshole shows up and takes a fucking photo of her nude body, right. her nude dead body, and sells right, it. Right, you know, somebody like, yeah, yeah, who knows what could happen. But even if they did that, which is not bad, necessarily, like, I don't know that it's good, but it's. I don't think that it's bad either. You get what I'm saying? Even if they did that, like, that's conspiracy. So, I'm like plausible plus and a half on that. Um, and so I guess that doesn't that's not like ruling out the fact that this could be like an accident or a suicide um which I think probably is like very plausible that that's mm-hmm. what it was is like okay like just an accident or an honest to goodness suicide attempt but even then there's some loose ends there right like, Sure I mean how did she con- how did she ingest this much you know, I don't know. It's but if he, if you think that the three of them, okay, maybe I'm sorting it out now. I kind of think that they doctored the scene a little bit, and so yeah, like they probably got rid of the glass that she probably right. took to drink all that fucking number yeah. tall. I don't. Th- I think th- I think she took the pills apart and she didn't swallow the fucking yeah. pills because she was notorious for not liking to swallow yeah. pills. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm sure they so just take the. Like, they probably cleaned up a little bit or something, which is not good, but it's not bad. Um, so it could have just been an accident. They find her that they, they spend time doing this so that it's not embarrassing or whatever. 
maybe all in good intentions, but it muddies the water. They shouldn't have done it. Uh, so I think it's very plausible that it was that Marilyn Monroe is responsible for her own death. Plausible plus and a half that the people closest to her might have been involved in a conspiracy to like clean things up. But I don't know that they were like, I'm not saying that I think they were involved in killing her is what I'm saying. Right. Those are my verdicts. Solid verdicts, Oof. Andy. And uh, I know that was tough hard for you, like for taking me. an enema. That was like taking an enema, but you did it. You got flushed out. Oh, no, out. an enema is easy, you know? <laughs> I understand an enema. I know what to believe about an enema. I fucking get that. Um, Bunkfuckers, what do you think about this case? Um, let us know what you think. Use the hashtag... Uh, I mean, there's so many. Hashtag um, the enema within. The enema within. Enema at the gates. Well, I already wrote down enema. Okay, well, these are bonus. Yeah, these are bonus ones. You can also use enema at the gates. This is how Uh, we'll know you listen to the end. It won't be be written down anywhere. Uh, the enema within and let us know what you think about this topic. What happened? Were you as confused as I was? <laughs> Were you as confused was as anyone Andy else was? struggling with this as much as I was? <laughs> and are you struggling with life as much oh, as Andy God, is? I hope not. And, I pray for you. And uh, were you having as many enemas? As and Andy if you're was? not, you should be. Um, let us know what you think. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Ooh. The easiest way to do that is to just YouTube search Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time on YouTube or go to our website, mrbunkersconspiracytime.com. Find a link to our YouTube and subscribe. We are putting out New videos every month. We have new bunker videos, which are uh, edited and animated sort of videos of our scripts of some of our favorite topics. Um, amazingly put together by our good friend and bunk tech contractor, Justin Link. Uh, <laughs> and uh, let's see what else. Uh, the first episode is up right now at the time of this recording. It's the Flatwoods Monster. It's really fun, and I think you're going to like it if you check it out. Um, let's see. If you want to get some of these videos earlier than uh, the general public would, or if you want to get access to our uh, behind-the-scenes locked uh, episodes of our brand-new show, Andy and Art Debunked, where Andy and I, um, outside of Bunker's Grasp, go looking at uh, various myths and urban legends, debunking them, um, where we go and uh, look at various conspiracies in pop culture in the media. And uh, you can only get this by becoming a Patreon supporter on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Pod, to get access to all those episodes and a slew of other fun perks. Jeez Louise. Oof, that is I think a that's lot it, of Andy. Stuff. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of takeaways yeah, here for you, Bunk a... Funkers, but uh, make sure you have fucking... them all in our desks by the end of the week. Yeah, goddamn whole fucking enema of fucking <laughs> bullshit to go do. Yeah. 
Um, Andy, do you have any last words about the uh, Marilyn Monroe death conspiracy? I mean, I know that you had some trouble with this one, but you made it through. Yeah, I did it. Um, no, I I think that um, I I guess I guess what I'll say is like you know, um, celebrities are people too, and they have problems wow. just like everyone. Uh, they're just like yeah. us. I mean, they're not exactly like us. I mean, let's not get carried away here, but they are people too <laughs> at some level. They are. Um, and even the brightest stars can be, uh, you know, there can be a, a fading light behind uh, all that shining light. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's light behind there's the light. A, there's another light Andy. behind the light. Yeah, it's like a Christmas tree and there's like on the outside, you look at it, it's really beautiful. And on the inside... Um, you know, there's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, well said. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's time to uh, it's time to you know shut down the studio here, Andy, because for not the titular Mister Bunker, but for my asunder oh co-host oh Andy Hart, I'm Art Stones, and that was the whole enchilada, the butthole. And a machalada. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.